Welcome into the Draft Bill Podcast. Once again, I am Chase Goodbread, columnist of the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined this week by USA Today NFL Draft reporter Nate Davis. Our co-host Gentry Estes not going to be with us uh, for this round of the Draft Bill Podcast, but be sure to uh, tune back in next week and, and we should have Gentry back on. But Nate, good to have you. Thanks for coming on with us. Pleasure, Chase. Thanks for having me. Good time for sure. We are now... T-minus a month, I guess you could call it, before the NFL draft. It seems like every time it's like one step forward and two steps back with this anticipation sometimes when it comes to the NFL. It's like it never gets here. Uh, But pro days starting to wind down a little bit. I guess the first week of April tends to be the, the last of those. Alabama held its pro day today. I was up there at the indoor facility a little while ago taking that in. And not surprisingly, Nate, not a lot of activity by Alabama's top guys. They had Evan Neal went through position drills. Of course, he's their top prospect. Didn't do anything else. Didn't do the bench press. Didn't do any of the testing. And he skipped all that at the combine, too. So, Nate, here's, a, here's a, uh, an example of a, of a top five or top ten pick who's not only skipped the combine workouts, but you said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just gonna skip it at Pro Day 2. And and he's forcing these teams to just lean on the tape alone. And that's probably not a bad strategy. No, I don't think it is, Chase. And I mean, I think a lot of guys in Evan Neal's position, certainly that are projected top five, top ten picks, you know, there, there, there's no reason to, to hurt your stock really uh, at this point, I think, or, or risk an injury. I mean, we saw what happened to David Ojabo of Michigan, uh, a few weeks ago, he's probably, you know, falling out of the first round at this point with, with the Achilles and, you know, was a bit of a raw guy anyway, that, that might've been top 20 first round pick. I mean, he looked like certainly a first rounder, but, um, you know, at this stage of the game, if, if you're Evan Neal, you can pretty much uh, understand that approach. Cause I think, I think the, the downside of what could happen in a pro day, probably a lot worse than, than, than what he could do maybe improving his stock, you know, one or two slots up there in the top five, top 10. You know, at the combine, we saw, and for the first time at the Combine this year, the NFL, the people that put the schedule together, decided to put the bench press and the 40-yard dash on the same day, which they've never done before. And the result was very few players did both. Some offensive linemen went ahead and did both, presumably because the 40-yard dash is probably least important for offensive linemen than any other position. Uh, but by and large, they either ran the 40 or did the bench. They didn't do both. I'm wondering if we're not kind of trending toward more of these skip outs, fewer workouts. You know, Nate, the teams also, of course, have these private workouts that they do with these players sometimes as well. But to me, it's it seems like overall – Players are doing less and less through this draft process, be it at the combine or at the pro days. What do you think? You know, I, you know, Chase. I think I think it just largely depends on what level of prospect you are. You know, what what is it you're trying to prove? You know, how much room do you have to to boost your stock? Uh, you, you know, do do you have questions about level of competition where where you know quote unquote measurables on an even playing surface might help you compared to you know think of a guy like Tariq Woolen, you know. From San Antonio might might help you look better across the board to to your other other peers, um, but I mean you also think back to recent years. I mean so many guys we never saw Lamar Jackson run. We never saw 
Kyler Murray run. Uh, we, we know that they're they're pointy fast, and, and, and I mean, I, th- I think to some level, as you know too, that you know the, the combine's a bit of a dog and pony show, and that the most important stuff that goes on there are, are the interviews behind closed doors, and then certainly uh, the medical evaluations that, that, that go on. Um, uh, and it's interesting, you know, you mentioned where's it going too. I mean, it seems like this is becoming more and more made for primetime event these days. Uh, and, and is it going to eventually, you know, get put on a stage out in Los Angeles and taken out of Indianapolis? But um, I think that will continue to evolve. And, and I do think the interesting thing is that the NFL continues to kind of tweak the formula for that, as, as you said. And I think they're probably just looking for, for the best combination uh, to showcase an event that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with football. Uh- I want to touch on the quarterback class in this draft a little bit with you, Nate. Uh, we, we've touched on quarterbacks, I think, in every episode of, of Draftville so far. Probably will do it uh, in forthcoming episodes as well. This quarterback class, not considered the best. It's kind of taken its lumps from a lot of the pundits over the last several months. What are your thoughts on this group, not only in terms of the level of talent, but also whether or not teams are just going to go ahead and and let it rip with first round picks on these guys anyway, just because of the of the need at that position. Yeah, I mean, every year we see guys kind of bumped up the board kind of artificially at the quarterback position because of the need, because of the prominence of the position. It'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out this year. And I, I kind of wonder if it's going to be more, you know, that you see maybe one or two teams draft back into the first round, maybe in the second half because they want that fifth-year option, uh, a player control on a player, but maybe don't want to have the same level a financial investment that you know taking one of the top five uh, or whatever generally takes um but i also think that you know the interesting thing this year is, is you don't see a whole lot of teams that absolutely have a a hole to fill i mean right now we've got as we talked today i mean seattle doesn't have an obvious starter that being said i, I think taking a guy number nine for them uh, might be a little too rich given i think Pete carroll is probably looking to build more of a team you know back back when you, you dropped russell wilson as game manager before he became uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, I think I think everybody in the world is connected to Steelers to, to Malik Willis. Um, to me, he's the intriguing name. I mean, will, will will the Steelers get him at twenty? Will they have to move up and get him? Uh, will somebody try to jump them for him? Uh, you know, I've even kind of wondered if Atlanta, the team, he's from he's from Atlanta. You know, played at Auburn, as you know. Right. Um, would a team like Atlanta maybe try to trade back in at nineteen ahead of Pittsburgh? Uh, and get a guy like that that, that, that they know is probably going to need to sit a year behind a, a Marcus Mariota type or a Mitchell Trubisky type in Pittsburgh. But um, to me, he's the most intriguing one. I think Kenny Pickett's the guy that people look at as, as maybe the plug and play. But you kind of wonder if you're if you're compared to the guys like Andy Dalton, and Matt, Matt Hasselbeck, if that's kind of your your upward uh, comp uh, in a lot of people's eyes. Do you, do you really need to be a first round pick? Right, right. I'm on record the last couple of draft bills with Gentry. Uh, for Matt Corral, I think he's going to end up being the best quarterback of this class. Uh, guy had a phenomenal career at Ole Miss. He's athletic. He can do a lot of things for you. Willis has got a ton of upside for sure. Best athlete of the group, no question. Got the best velocity just in terms of pure RPMs on the ball. Malik Willis can can really let it rip. Pickett's a guy who's interesting. You mentioned him as, as the plug and play, and there's – you know, you see a little bit of love for him when it comes to Pittsburgh, too, because he's from Pitt, plays at Heinz Field, et cetera. Uh, are you buying or selling the notion that, that the Steelers would like to take a kid from Pitt right there, would be swayed in any way whatsoever on a, on a quarter, on an investment of that size, uh, taking a, a guy that, that Steelers fans are familiar with? 
Yeah, it's an interesting notion. I mean, and we saw them do it a couple of years ago with James Conner, whose story was so no, well known in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, he just kind of switched sides of the building uh, uh, up there on, on Hot Metal Street or wherever it is the facility is. Um, uh, they should have done it, of course, with Aaron Donald a few years before that. I mean, how, how crazy would it have been to see him in, in a Steelers uniform? I, I don't I mean, it's, it's a it's a fun narrative to talk about. Uh, to me, the one that maybe trumps that a little bit is, is that Mike Tomlin has kind of come out and said, you know, he wants a more you know athletic quarterback, maybe a guy that gives him more options back there. Uh, you know, he's in a division with, with Lamar Jackson and now Deshaun Watson, who are certainly, you know, multiple threats. Um, you know, I think Kenny Pick is probably closer to the Joe Burrow uh, area um, in terms of athleticism, although I think he, he's an underrated athlete. I mean, Kenny Pickett moves. Uh, decently, but I think that I don't think it's exactly what Mike Tomlin uh, is looking for. So I think I think you tend to maybe look at you know certainly we talked about Malik Willis for the Steelers. I, I think you know you mentioned Matt Corral. I think might be an interesting uh, you know consolation prize if it turns out that Willis goes earlier than we think. Um, and I think that he, he, he would be a nice guy that you could bring in behind Mitchell Trubisky, uh, and maybe you bring him in in, in late October, November, uh, if, if if need be. Uh, otherwise, you, you you let him, you know kind of percolate for a year and then bring him in after that. But I think uh, in terms of the athleticism anyway, if that's what Mike Tomlin wants, I, I would look at, at either, either Willis or uh, Corral as, as better options for guys that maybe bring more to the table uh, than Kenny Pickett ultimately will. Who could blame Mike Tomlin for wanting a more athletic quarterback after having so many years with the most stationary statue of a quarterback in the league, right? Yeah, but but the Latin, you know, I mean, we 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 did, you know, the great thing about Big Ben in his prime was he could slough off those guys and they would just be hanging off of him and he still get the ball out. I mean, he was kind of a different kind of athletic quarterback. But I mean, cer- certainly when you you see the things Lamar Jackson can do to you, uh, when when you're worried about what Deshaun is going to bring to the table, um, and just the way the game is going, I think a lot of these guys too, uh, you know, you think of Watson, you think of, of Russell Wilson, I think they're getting better. Um, Lamar Jackson too. I think they're getting better at kind of learning when to pick their battles. But I think a lot of times when you're a quarterback, uh, the best way to protect yourself is, is being able to get out of there. And I think a lot of times guys sustain the most damage uh, when they have to stay in the pocket. Right, right. In terms of trades, I wanted to touch on that with you a little bit as well. I, th- I think at last check, there are eight teams without a first-round pick, six with two one with three being Philly. Uh, in your opinion, is the way these first-round picks get thrown around, seems like fans tend to beat on the teams that deal first-round picks, but first-round picks are, are busts, sometimes depending on the GM, as often as their hits. Um, what are your thoughts on a team in general mortgaging a first-round pick in exchange for a proven NFL player um, to me, it, it, it makes general sense. It depends on the deal, obviously. Um, but I don't necessarily discredit uh, these teams that are moving first-round picks out and bringing proven players in, particularly proven quarterbacks, uh, because first-round picks, it's just like recruiting in, in high school, going to college. It could be five stars. It doesn't mean they're going to be any good. Yeah, I mean there 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 are no uh, there there are no can't miss prospects. I mean I know certain guys you know get that label. You know Trevor Lawrence had it. You know we're we're still we're we're a year in and we'll 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 see. You know, uh, probably, right. you know obviously circumstances are stacked against him last year. Um, 
but I mean, you, you know, Chase, it's a it's a results based business. I mean, right now we're we're two months you know out from from the Super Bowl, and, and uh, you know, Les Need, the Rams GM, wearing that T shirt at, at the uh, at the parade, saying you know, F them picks, um, because I mean, I don't, I don't think the Rams have had one. Rams haven't made a first round pick since Jared Goff, um, and they're not scheduled to make another <laughs> one till 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 twenty twenty four. Um, now and, and they've missed on a few. I mean, they 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 they've used one on Brandon Cooks. Um, you know that that didn't work out. I think I don't think they used one on Dante Fowler, but I mean they they used a high pick to get him. That didn't necessarily work out great for him. But um, certainly, you know the one from the ones ones from Matthew Stafford uh, or what put them over the top. And I, I think maybe some people kind of scratched their chins and looked a little sideways when. You saw, I believe they spent two to get Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm. You know that that looks in retrospect like a pretty good deal. On the flip side, you know you saw the way that Bill O'Brien, you know, tossed that stuff around with Houston. Uh, you know, two first round picks for for Laramie Tunsil. You know, all and all that stuff freight they gave to to Miami for him. I mean, it, it just kind of depends on, on how you do it. You know, I think I think that the two first round picks for Jamal Adams up in Seattle is, is not aging very well. Uh, so I, I I tend to think it's a wiser ploy. When you're getting a known commodity, particularly quarterback, you know, I think I think everybody thought for a guy like Deshaun Watson being 26 years old. I mean, aside from, you know, all, all the stuff off the field, that that's a pretty easily easily justifiable um, move. Um, uh, otherwise, if you do miss on on the trade, you know, people people do do keep scoring that stuff. And they fans keep score. There's no question about it when it comes to the off season. I think you hit on a good point with Jamal Adams. Safety's not a premium position. Quarterback is, running back is not, offensive tackle is, uh, off the ball linebacker is not, pass rusher, cornerback is. I, it, you you look at the way these first round picks fly around, and I think part of it is not only do you better, you not only need a proven player, you need it at an impact position. Jamal Adams, heck of a football player for sure, but in general, safeties simply are not as valuable uh, as quarterbacks pass rushers, corners, et cetera. And he's not Ed Reed. You know, like you said, he's he's kind of a in, in the box, uh, kind of a versatile right. safety, but, you know, has a really, really good pass rush, you know, numbers in 2020, but, you know, it was too often, you know, on the wrong side of a, of a deep completion in, in the playoffs two years ago and, and this year. Um, and I think the one other thing we got, you had to mention too, Chase, is sometimes you don't know what you're giving up in a first-round pick, you know, when you give up these future ones. Uh, but just just this last week, you know, when the Dolphins gave up a first round pick and more for um, you know Tyree Kill, I mean that looks like a lot. Uh, but, but I mean also the pick they're giving up is number twenty nine, um, so it's deep in the first round. It's not like you're giving up you know number five. Um, you know the Jamal Adams trade worked out for the Jets because you know how often have the Seahawks drafted in the top ten the last couple of years? You know I, I don't think at all until this year, and that kind of worked out great for New York because they were bad this year. But um, a lot of times you're just you're just taking a risk and you don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah. All right. Nate and I are going to close out this edition of the Draftville podcast with a little mock draft really quickly for uh, the listeners. We're just going to go 10 picks here instead of 32 just to keep it a little bit tight, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Nate, we'll go back and forth. Uh, so I'll be doing uh, I'll start with one and I'll do the odd numbers through 10. You can you can take the even numbers. Uh, we'll get things started with the Jacksonville Jaguars picking number one overall. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is who I'm going to take. That's kind of the chalk pick. That's kind of the money pick for uh, for the Jaguars getting a pass rusher. If I was their GM, I think I'd be taking an offensive tackle, uh, but I'm sticking with what I think is going to happen and not what I think ought to happen. 
so give me Aiden Hutchinson uh, out of Michigan for the Jaguars. Hopefully, uh, for their sake anyway, an impact player for a long time that could kind of anchor anchor a defense that uh, needs somebody besides Josh Allen to get after the quarterback. I think so, and I think they really kind of shocked everybody when they put that franchise tag on Cam Robinson for the second straight year. But I mean, you're not you're not paying a, a swing tackle, uh, or you know, or or a right tackle seventeen million dollars. So I think I think pretty pretty good bet that Aiden Hutchinson uh, is going there. Um, that, that gives me the Lions at number two, and I think the Lions in a perfect world would love to have you know Aiden Hutchinson, you know, lo- local kid from from Michigan there, coming off the season he did, and they could u- really use the pass rusher. Um, interesting spot for them because I don't think you know there, there, are, there are good tackles. We talked about Evan Neal earlier and Nicky Aquanu. Uh, the Lions are set there with Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell, so they don't they don't need to go tackle. So this is like another team I'm looking at. You know, can they deal down a little bit, um, make somebody come up for a tackle? You know, just deal deal down a couple spots, maybe pick up a second rounder. Who knows? I think if they stay there, you know, I'm I'm kind of you know there, there's been. Probably no guy rising board, on boards faster than Georgia's Trayvon Walker. Um, and, uh, you, you know, kind, kind of people have knocked him for the production, but uh, Georgia was was so deep. Uh, you know, he lined up inside a lot, uh, so he doesn't have the sexy sack numbers, but he sure showed at the combine what a tremendous athlete he can be. Um, the Lions recently released Trey Flowers, who was kind of their do-everything defensive lineman. So um, I, I look at him as a guy that would really work well in that system and, and a guy that, you know, with with uh, a, lot, a lot of snaps on the field, maybe move him out to the edge a little bit, uh, can really uh, put the, put up the production without athleticism for a team that needs it. There you go. Texans up next here in this quick mock draft. Texans need everything, Nate. Uh, if you pay attention last year, it was a complete disaster. Uh, they started moving players and trades at a lot of positions, kind of a sell-off, I thought. And uh, it, it, they're very much starting from scratch. However, Davis Mills showed him some things toward the end of the season at that quarterback position. Remains to be seen if if he's got uh, you know franchise quarterback stuff in him going forward. But I do think the Texans feel like they can build around him, and so they take an offensive tackle right here at number three uh, to make things a little easier on Davis Mills, who faced a pretty fierce pass rush uh, when he got his chance to play toward the end of last season. Evan Neal from Alabama, the aforementioned. I'll just go ahead and take him here. He goes to the Texans at number three. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, we, we mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier. The Texans have all those future first-rounders now that they can build up the team around Davis Mills. And if it turns out it doesn't work with him, uh, you know, they, they can they can drop in the quarterback, you know, a year, a year or two from now and, and, and hope for the best. So I, I like that choice. Um, for the Jets, you know, they, the two picks in the top ten for them. Uh, at number four, you know, I think I'll, t- I'll go offensive tackle for them too. Take take uh, Iki Iquano from from North Carolina State. Um, Maybe may, may the offensive lineman with possibly with the most upside in this draft. Uh, and in the Jets' case, you know, they, I think they got to continue to build pieces, uh, put put good players around uh, around Zach Wilson, their their second year quarterback. Um, they drafted Mackay Becton, you know, in the first round a few years ago. He has not worked out great. Probably better served to be um, a right tackle than a left tackle. And played the one game last season. So uh, I, I'm bringing Nicky to, to Broadway and giving uh, maybe Zach Wilson a little bit better protection there on the blind side. Our mock draft is not going well for the Giants or the Carolina Panthers because I think both of those teams would love to have one of these two offensive tackles that we've just yanked off the board back to back on them. Uh, but uh, Giants are up next. No offensive, neither of the top two offensive tackles uh, available to them at this point in our quick little mock. 
Uh, Giants need a lot of help for sure. They need a pass rusher coming off that edge. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon for the Giants right here. Uh, gives them some athleticism and, and some pressure on the quarterbacks in that NFC East. Okay, that gives me the, the Panthers at six. Uh, this is their only pick, I think, in the first uh, three rounds. I don't think they pick again until 135. So they're interesting. You know, could they possibly go quarterback here, given uh, how, how often they've struck out getting one? But um, I'll, I'll say they'll wait a year. I will give them an offensive tackle there, Charles Cross, out, out of Mississippi State, who, who's proven to be a pretty good pass protector. Uh, again, you know, is Sam Darnold going to work out in year five? Uh, the the, the uh, resume so far suggests probably not, but I don't know that you want to reach for a guy, particularly given you're not going to have uh, another pick to the fourth round. So so build up that roster around him, get it good, and then hopefully you can solve the quarterback issue uh, in another way or in the draft a year from now. Cross is an interesting case because he seems to be kind of all over the board in some of these mics. You see him hot, you see him top 10, you see him toward the back end of the first round. You kind of see him all over the place, Nate, but he does pay, play that premium position Everybody loves having that that anchor of a tackle who can take on uh, these edge rushers. And if he's that guy, it's going to drive him up the board, especially once Neil and Aquano are gone. And I think he spent most of his time there with the Bulldogs uh, in, in, in pass pro. And it's not like the Panthers are a, a three yards in a cloud of dust team. So I think I think protect Sam Darnold, you know, let, let Christian McCaffrey work in space. You know, we'll see if it works. Yeah, there you go. Uh, New York Giants with another first round pick. Coming up next here, I'm going to go ahead and take that Sauce Gardner kid out of Cincinnati for the Giants. Uh, he had a phenomenal year last year for the Bearcats. He's long. He's fast. He's he, He's got excellent ball skills. Uh, got a bright future in the NFL for sure. For a long time, it looked like Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU was going to be the first corner off the board. Now it looks like it's going to be Gardner. Every team needs a cornerback, it seems like. There are a couple out there that are truly set at that spot. Uh, and, and when I say that spot, I'm talking about three positions, right? Not just two, the outside and the nickel, uh, which is every bit as important. Uh, but Gardner to the Giants here, I think they're happy right there to pick him up. Okay, you took you took Thibodeau at five, right? Thibodeau's out of there, yep. Okay, so I've got Atlanta at eight. They could certainly use a pass rusher. I think they had 19 sacks as a team last year, so I'm sure they would love to get their hands on him, but he's gone here. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to – I mean, you could give Atlanta pretty much anybody you wanted. Uh, <laughs> they got holes everywhere. I'll give them Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of out of Ohio State. Um, you, know, we, you know, Calvin Ridley is, is suspended this year. We'll see if he'll play another game. Uh, for, for the Falcons or not, you know, Russell Gage was a pretty good number two receiver for them last year. He's now a Buccaneer. So uh, cer certainly they're, they're going to need, uh, among many other places, they, but they, they, they're desperate, I think, for help um, at, at receiver. Uh, again, you kind of wonder, is this a place where maybe they would look to, to trade back and get a quarterback? Uh, would they look to come back in the first round later and get a quarterback? Uh, but I think, you know, their, their GM said they kind of expect to take it in the teeth this year after dealing Matt Ryan and taking the, the, the huge salary cap hit. Uh, so I think I think take the best player you can, and if, you, if that's in a position of need, all the better. So we'll go with Wilson. All right, Wilson, it is. Uh, Seattle up next, pick in number nine. Just a couple picks left here in our mock, and then we're going to go ahead and and sign off for this edition of the Draft Bill Podcast. I'm not a Drew Lock believer, Nate. I'm just not. Saw enough of him in Denver. Uh, and I, you know, obviously Seattle sees enough in him to feel like he can come in and give him some help. I don't know that they brought him in, 
to be their starter. Uh, and, and maybe he does start the year. Uh, but to me, if you're Seattle, you got to get a, a gifted young guy behind Drew Locke as quickly as possible and maybe to pass Drew Locke as quickly as possible. I'm going to go ahead and break the quarterback ice right here. And uh, Seattle will go. Seattle will go with my guy, Matt Corral, right here, uh, going to the Seahawks. It's early. It's early for him. I've seen him. uh, I've seen him pretty far down, actually, in some of these mocks. But you know what? Quarterback surprises pop up. They, They just do. It's the nature of it. So we'll go Corral with Seattle. Okay, I like it. Um, California kid goes back, back, back to the uh, other side there of the you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll close it out here with the Jets and the second pick in the top ten for them. Uh, you know, part of me, Chase, you know, wants to give him your guy, uh, Jameson Williams, because I think he might be the best. Uh, he might be the best receiver in this draft. Of course, we know he's coming off, coming off the ACL, so uh, he's he's going to be a bit of a roll of the dice, prop and prop certainly at this spot. So. Uh, I think they'll probably drift down the board a little further, but uh, the, the Jets were, were in the sweepstakes for Tyree Kill, so you know that they're looking for a game-breaking receiver there. There Again, you know, looking to support Zach Wilson. So I'll, I'll give him Drake London out of USC. You know, he's kind of been frequently compared to, to Mike Evans. Might, might have a little bit more wiggle than Mike Evans, but a big target, you know, kind, kind of that big catch radius that can help a young quarterback. Uh, even if you don't make a highly accurate throw, maybe he bails you out a little bit, helps you in the red zone, uh, and nicely compliments a guy like Elijah Moore, who they took they took last year, who can work out of the slot there more for you. So uh, I'll, I'll give the Jets two guys on offense here in the top ten. There you have it, the top ten. That's going to be the top ten right there, Nate. We just nailed it, one through okay. ten. We'll we'll come back and and we'll uh, uh, pound our chest about it uh, after the draft. But uh, I think we nailed it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That is going to do it for this edition of the Draft Build Podcast. I want to thank Nate Davis, USA Today's, NFL, USA Today's NFL reporter, for joining us in this edition. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist of the Tuscaloosa News. Be back next week with Gentry S. Just right here on the Draft Build Podcast. We will see you then.